Good morning, Soma. Happy Mother's Day. I hope that some of you got breakfast in bed, and uh, for those of you with little ones who got breakfast in bed, I hope your kitchen is still intact. Um, motherhood is not an easy thing. In fact, I mean, you've heard numbers about replacing mom at six figures, but if you really had to replace mom, how would you do that? What would an ad in the paper look like to replace mom? Might read something like this. Wanted, high energy, pleasant, smart, and hardworking woman. First, you must tolerate tiredness and fatigue, nausea, vomiting, backaches, mood swings, and considerable pain in childbirth. After the child arrives, the applicant will provide constant hours of care and entertainment, food prep, home repairs, janitorial service, nursing, doctoring, counseling, event planning, transportation arrangement, and often be a coach, a teacher, or a referee. You'll often have to run on little sleep, thrive under pressure, and yet you must have patience. All this with no sick pay, no wages, and no pension. It might be a hard position to fill, don't you think? Once a year, though, you do get Mother's Day. It just doesn't seem enough, and we're going to talk about that in a bit, but I know that Mother's Day kind of hits all of us in a different way, and so I just want to recognize that and pray over us, all of us, right now, so would you please join me in prayer? Father, thank you for our mothers. Thank you for those who you use to bring us into this world and, um, or those who mothered us, and today we honor them, Father. You've told us to weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. So that's what we do today, Father. Please comfort those who, uh, Father, who have lost their mothers or mothers who have lost children through miscarriage or death or, or for those who want children through birth, fostering, or adoption, and it just hasn't happened. Father, I pray for uh, stepmothers of blended families, for our single mothers who have the responsibility both of being a mother and a father. And God, I, I pray for those whose mothers, whose children just aren't near them now. Father, I pray for those in our community, our state, and our nation that will become unexpectedly pregnant this year. And I pray that they will desire the very best for their children and they'll choose life for them even if they're not able to raise them. Father, we thank you for mothers who have given birth this year or will give birth. And I pray you'll bless and protect them and give them energy. Father, we pray you'll bless the mothers and grandmothers of Soma Church, who I know work night and day being mothers. Father, you've glorified yourself for, for, uh, through those who have mothered us. And may you also glorify, um, be glorified through our thanksgiving now and our praise. Father, we honor mothers and we honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. So, God glorifies himself all the time. And you wonder about that. Jesus said, Father, as you glorified me, I glorify you. What's that mean? Well, one aspect of to glorify God is to see him for who he is. So, God is glorifying himself by showing us who he is. And we glorify him by recognizing that. For example, in creation, sun, moon, stars, mountains, oceans, streams, beauty of the earth. That is God saying uh, 
Here I am. Look at me. I love you. He's glorifying himself. And when we see him through that, we glorify him. Think of those as kind of small road signs. Then think of world events, action God takes. The same thing. God is saying, here I am. Look at me. I love you. Even in uh, bad things such as wars or 9-11 or even pandemics like now. God is saying, here I am. Look at me. I love you. We glorify him when we see him in it, he, and he is glorified. Now, think of that one as a, like a billboard. Motherhood, in my opinion, is like God writing in the sky. Here I am. Look at me. I love you. Through motherhood. And the reason is, it's because his image is in male and female, in mothers. We're looking at his character when we look at motherhood. So today, what I want to do is help us glorify God, see God for who he is through motherhood, and therefore glorify him. Like I said, once once a year, uh, Mother's Day, it's a good thing. I love it, but it isn't enough. In fact, God said, honor your father and mother, and he meant every day, 24-7. 24-7. In fact, in the Old Testament, he says it twice. In the New Testament, it's stated six times. And check this out. When Jesus started his ministry at the wedding in Cana, they run out of wine, and his mother says to Jesus, they've run out of wine, implying do something. And Jesus replies to his mother, woman, it's not my time yet. And then she looks at the servants and says, do whatever he says. And we know that he then turned the water into wine. And I, I believe he did that because Jesus honored his mother. Now fast forward all the way to the end of his life on the cross. What's his last act? Not his last words, but his last act. He looks down at John and his mother and he says, Woman, behold your son and uh, behold your mother. In other words, John You're now taking care of my mother. So he honors his mother in the beginning of his ministry, at the end of his ministry. This is the creator of the universe. This is the one who essentially made his mother and he honors her. So I think it's significant for us to not only see the command, but see, in fact, Jesus do that. There are some lies in our culture about motherhood, I believe, such as motherhood isn't noble. You could be so much more than a mother. Mothers are weak. Or perhaps motherhood is a roadblock to happiness. It isn't worth it. And it is noble. Mothers are strong. Motherhood is very important. And it is challenging. But there's much happiness in it. Now, usually Mary is the go-to mother in the Bible when we talk about mothers. But uh, we're going to give her a break. And I want to speak to you about Moses's mother. Moses was a special man. He had a special relationship with God. He met with him personally. He, um, the Bible says in Numbers that Moses was the most humble man that walked the earth. And I began to wonder, what was his mother like? So that's the story I'd like to dig into. Her name is Jochebed. She isn't mentioned in the text we're going to read. She's mentioned in Exodus 6 in the lineage. Her name means Yahweh is glory. Her name means glory. Yahweh is glory. 
So let me set up the story quickly uh, before Janet reads. So uh, the nation of Israel, Jacob or Joseph brought his family to Egypt, 70 people, and under a pharaoh that, that gave them favor. But over 400 years, as um, the Israelites, uh, uh, Hebrews, eventually became enslaved and they were, they were put to forced labor, building cities. And the more they were oppressed, the more they multiplied. And they got to be so many that the, the Pharaoh, 400 years later, is now threatened by the immigrants. And he's really afraid that surrounding nations are going to co-opt the males, Hebrews, to, to uh, join them and attack them and wage war. So he, he um, institutes a plan. So follow along with Janet. In fact, perhaps have your family stand for the reading of the word. I think it's great at reinforcement to our children that the Bible isn't just another book. So what do we see in this story? So I'd like to have a little dialogue, make some observations, and then I'm going to have some questions for you to discuss with the people that you're watching this with. Number one uh, is the midwives. So plan A for, for Pharaoh is to engage the midwives, to command them to kill the male Hebrew babies at birth. And they don't cooperate. In fact, the Bible says they fear God more than Pharaoh and they, they don't participate. They come, they tell Pharaoh, these Hebrew women are more vigorous. They, by the time we get there, the baby's gone. But what I love about it is they don't participate. They stand up to Pharaoh. They don't know what's going to happen to them when he calls them in, but they did it. They protected the newborns. And I would question, what would God do if we were to protect the unborn? Now, those people were uh, the midwives. It says that he blessed them and he blessed them with families, with children. Children are a blessing. And I wonder what God would do if we protected the unborn in our country. So that's the first one. The second thing I see is plan B is God then, or uh, Pharaoh then engages the death squad, expands the death squad to all of Egypt. And he tells all of Egypt that if you see uh, a male baby, you're to cast it in the Nile. Now, Jochebed is a slave. She's, how poor would an immigrant slave be at that time, but probably poor. And she's probably being watched, I assume, as she's pregnant. And I would imagine she's afraid. She's perhaps hoping for a girl. But what she does is she defies Pharaoh and protects her baby. She hides her baby. She probably didn't start hiding right when the baby was born. I would guess she might have started hiding even before the baby was actually born. So her self-quarantine makes our quarantine now look, uh, that is way worse than what we have to go through now. And we're kind of feeling suffering in the quarantine we have. Think about her. Um, her baby's life is on the line. That's what's at stake for her. So after three months, she puts the baby in a basket. She puts him in the Nile River. She has Moses's older sister, whose name is Miriam. Miriam's probably 10 to 13 years old. And ask her to keep watch to see what happens to the baby. So Pharaoh's daughter comes down to bathe. She sees the basket. She has a, a servant retrieve the basket. She opens it. The baby's crying. She takes pity on the baby and 
Miriam is right there and says, would you like me to retrieve uh, a, a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby? And she says, go. Under God's direction, um, under it all happened because God wanted it to happen. But I believe that he used Jochebed as, as an architect of this plan. But think about what it was like for Miriam to come home. Now, uh, Jochebed has taken the baby, put it in the Nile, and she goes home. And we know that because she told Miriam to watch. So she's home. She doesn't know what's happened. So Miriam comes home to give the report. And she says, Mom, guess what? The baby didn't just float down the Nile. The baby was saved. The baby's safe. And it was found by Pharaoh's daughter who took pity on the baby. And I was right there and I offered, would you like me to find a midwife or a, a, a Hebrew woman to nurse the baby? And she said, yes. And guess what, mom? You're that person. You get to nurse the baby. And you get to bring the baby home to nurse it. And mom, it even gets better. She's going to pay you. Now, what that, what that meant to her at the time being a poor slave, I don't know. But blessing upon blessing, good news upon good news. Could you imagine being in the room? I would have loved to have been there to watch her deliver that news and watch this mother realize that her baby is safe and it's with her. <clears throat> the scripture says she returned him when he was older. So if she returned him after he was done nursing, every woman that I know that would have to give her baby up when she was done nursing, would nurse that baby for as long as she possibly could. So I'm thinking Moses probably had whiskers by the time he went back to Pharaoh's daughter. So go ahead and we're going to take the break, um, take a few minutes and discuss these questions, and then we'll come back and wrap it up. So I could talk for three weeks straight about attributes of mothers and motherhood. But here's a few things that have come to my mind that I'd like to share. One, overall, like God, mothers are fierce defenders of their children. Uh, they protect us just as God protects his faithful. And Jesus said, it would be better to tie a stone around your neck and be thrown into the water than to harm a child. Mothers share that heart and Jochebed protected her child at her own peril. And that mothering instinct of protecting children glorifies God. That's very much like God. At one point, uh, Karen and I had a friend who offered some gun, <clears throat> excuse me, some gun safety lessons. And we decided to do that. We didn't know much about weapons. And so we went, we really didn't own any weapons except maybe some hand-me-downs and we just went for the fun of it. So we went and the first question uh, he asked Karen was, Karen, if, if your life was in danger, if somebody was, was coming at you, um, could you defend yourself with a weapon? And she says, I don't think I could. And he says, well, then you shouldn't have one if you can't use it. But then he said, well, wait, what if they were going to harm your child or your grandchildren? And she said, oh, no problem. That's the heart of a mother. Mothers also are tough. They're faithful and they get it done. In this narrative, we don't hear much about Moses' father. His name was Amram. He was probably a slave. He probably couldn't do much. 
But that didn't keep Jochebed from taking action. You know, few mothers bail on their children. I know there's exceptions, but when the going gets tough, mothers get going. In fact, um, mothers could challenge SEAL teams on toughness. I know the COVID burden is hard for all of us. I think it's a little bit harder on mothers because of the pressure that, that uh, quarantine puts on moms. But like God, they don't give up. Uh, when we lived in a different home, Karen, um, talk about taking charge. There was a day when our kids were out playing with a bunch of kids and somehow they ruffled the feathers of uh, a neighbor. And he made mention that he was going to take some kind of action. And they came in, and like violent action. And so they came in and told Karen, and Karen comes and says, Jeff, the, the neighbor overtly threatened the kids. What are you going to do? And I'm making a sandwich. And so I said, well, I'm going to finish making my sandwich and then I'll think about it and then I'll do something. I'll go talk to him. So <clears throat> Karen just turns around, heads right out the door. I finish making my sandwich. I start walking out. She's walking back in. I go, hey, what happened? She goes, we don't have to worry about him anymore. Mothers get it done. Mothers are real teachers. Abraham Lincoln said, all that I am, all that I hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Christian moms who teach their children biblical truth honor God, they glorify God, and they build a foundation that will serve their kids for life. And I, I know a lot of times we think our spiritual teaching is, is for naught. It's not true. Deuteronomy 4.9 says, Only take care and keep your soul diligently, lest you forget the things that your eyes have seen, and lest they depart from your heart all the days of your life. Make them known to your children and your children's children. So there it is, moms and grandmothers. Your influence does last a lifetime. And as you teach your children, you glorify God. And as you glorify God, it changes you. In my opinion, if you look at Moses, it says after he grew up, he, he saw one of his people mistreated. In fact, in the text, the word his people is used twice. So it, it's clear to me that by that, that Moses knew who he was. He knew he was a Hebrew. He was raised in Pharaoh's court, but he knew who he was. In fact, he had such um, a connection to his heritage that when he saw one of his people mistreated, he kind of went postal and he takes the guy out. Okay, so who shaped his identity? Now, according to my math, Jochebed probably lived till he was about seven, if my math is right. And I believe that he didn't learn that in Pharaoh's court, that somehow maybe Jochebed had favor and was able to continue to influence past nursing. I don't know but I don't think he learned it from Pharaoh's court. I'm gonna guess somehow his mother helped. And mothers, you have such an authority. God's given you delegated authority and favor with your children. They want to learn from you. They want your teaching and it's easy for them to trust you. So when you build a case for who God is and what he has done, it's, it's better than anyone else telling it to them. Don't think it won't matter. Your children will not forget your spiritual teaching. 
Also, mothers are great counselors. They take, just like God, who always is there to listen, mothers are great listeners. In fact, a mother's love is key to a child growing up and leading them to a path of understanding God's love. A mother's love is critical to the feelings of belonging and self-worth for a child. And I realize that not all mothers have done that for all of us, but God got it done through somebody, many times a mothering type person. A mother's love is paramount to teaching that real love has boundaries, and it teaches them respect for themselves and each other. And like God, mothers are present. Jochebed took advantage of the time she had with Moses, I believe. She glorified God that way. Next, mothers are selfless. They're not thanked enough. Now, look at this text. Her son, we believe, wrote Exodus, and her name isn't even in it. She, just like any other mother, the, the person who does the work doesn't get the ink. And mothers be encouraged. You're in, the, you're in, you're in good standing because the God is the same way. He doesn't get enough credit either. Mothers have kind of this God-given discernment. It's like God has given them eyes in the back of their head or this understanding of what's, what's real, what's the real news. And kids, I would tell you, don't try to hide stuff from your mom. She'll find out. And if you think about it, whose side's God on? If you're going to hide things from your mom, he's going to help your mom out. Mothers mother more than their own children. Sometimes we have to mother their husbands. Um, in my town, uh, it seemed like the whole town had a responsibility of caring for me. I loved that. They also had uh, permission to discipline me. Sometimes I felt like everybody had a green light. But I know that if, if we were at a neighbor's house, my mother would trust the neighbor to discipline me. And if they did, she trusted them. She also always trusted teachers. If I got a whipping at school, no questions asked, I got one at home. She always backed teachers. And she knew, she was discerning. I couldn't fool her that, no, 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 mom, I'm the victim. She, it was my fault. Mom would know. In fact, once in, as a freshman in high school, I was in, in an English literature class and I got a D. And I don't know how you can get a D in an English lit class, but I did. And so mom sees that. Essentially, she takes me by the ear. We lived across the street from the school, marches me over there. We sit down with the English lit teacher and he says, How, she says, how's my son get a D in this class? And he says, well, his work is fine, but he's disrespectful. And I remember sitting there, I don't want to look at mom. I can feel the steam come out of her ears. And I'm thinking, oh, if I could be adopted now. And she says, to the teacher, I'll take care of it. Honestly, I can't remember what she said after that, but I do know that from that day on, I sat in the front row and essentially saluted him when he walked in. And I love that about my mom. Now there's one way that moms aren't like God, and that is that moms aren't perfect. And moms, I want you to know you don't have to be. Jesus has been perfect for you. And I want you to know that the, the, the person who, who is responsible and uh, the most important guarantors of all of our children's welfare is God himself. 
So John Piper writes, Mothers incarnate marital love in a human person. In other words, women manifest the glorious love of God through creation, through birth. Mothers embrace the pain of their fallen nature. They embrace death. And from that death, life is born. In every birth, a mother gives of herself for the sake of her child. So, because of the fall, motherhood not only reflects the generating love of God in creation, but also the regenerating love of Christ on the cross. So folks, when you look at your mother, or who mothered you, or the mother of your children, remember who is the one who put that there. That's the image of God. And when you do that, you glorify God. When you see God in his glory, it changes you. I want to say a few words about my mother. My mom uh, started and ran, owned several businesses. She managed a multi-million dollar bank. She could cook like no one else. Rachel Ray would have sat at her feet to learn from her. Uh, she made it through poverty as a child. She got married right after the war and raised a, a child that had polio. Uh, my father left when I was one, so she was abandoned. She was a single mother for several years with three children. She um, remarried and then went through bankruptcy. Then later, uh, her second husband died. She went through that. And then she, late in life, uh, contracted cancer and spent eight years fighting that and really died. At the very end of her life, um, she was quite alone and perhaps a bit angry. But overall, I think mom would say she had a great life. And, and my mom, I can't say enough good things about her. And I can see the glory of God uh, through her life. She was kind of like the giving tree. She gave and gave until at the very end she didn't have anything left to give. And one of the things that I wished I would have heard from her is the words of salvation. Uh, my mom believed, but she just didn't say it to me the way I wanted to hear it. And so when she died, I wanted to represent what she believed at the funeral accurately. And so I gathered as much as I could as far as things she'd written and what she had said. And I went through that service hoping and believing that she was a believer. But years pass and it just so happens that Karen is throwing, we're throwing some books out and we happened to, Karen happened to open one book and there was a note in my mother's handwriting. And here's what the note said. Thank you, God, for loving me and sending your son to die for my sins. I repent of my sins, and I receive Jesus Christ as my personal Savior. And now, as your child, I turn my life over to you. It was just like God reaching down one more time and my mom blessing me. And those are the words I wanted to hear. And, and, and my prayer for, for, if you're hearing this, is that those have been or would be your words too. Jesus, in fact, did come for us, and he did die for us, and he still says to this day, here I am, I love you, look to me. I love the story of Jochebed and how we see the glory of God in her life, and 
I believe we can see God's glory in every mother or who mothered you. And when you do, say thank you and worship God. Happy Mother's Day.